Happy Leap Day. Happy Leap Day. It's like a bonus day. We won't get to say that again for another four years. Ugh. Such a long time. What a funny concept. Do you know the history of Leap Day, Leap Year? I don't. I don't either. At all. I mean, I know there's... So good thing we are talking about (laughs) it now. (laughs) I know. Someone I'm sure out there knows, and I'm sure it's very obvious. I mean, I know the reason for it. It's basically like to catch up with the spin of the earth. Like the spin of the earth is just like a fraction faster than our days. Yeah. I'm obviously spouting information that I don't really understand. And that this like, it sounds gets like forward. facts, but I'm actually, and thinking about it, I mean, science would not work this way, but I prefer that we get an extra day as opposed to taking a day away. Can you imagine if one year was just like a day shorter? Yeah. I feel like that would be stressful. Yes. Yeah, it's um, like when you lose an hour. It does make me feel a little bit better because the festival is slightly <laughs> early this year. So I'm like, but we do have a bonus day, technically. It's like we win. Um, even though a May date still makes me very uncomfortable, but it'll be okay. So much so. It's coming so fast. But we have more programming to talk about. We do. We just announced uh, last week that our breakthrough awardee will be Devery Jacobs. Which is awesome. Which we are so excited about. Um, we have wanted to get her to the festival for so long and and are just like huge, huge Reservation Dogs fans. Um, love Deco. And I just, I just think she's going to be, we haven't even seen the start of what she's capable, capable of. Well, I don't think it was until... I don't know what season she started writing on Reservation Dogs. Was that from the beginning that she was writing on it? Um, no, I think it was... Was it season two? I think it was season two. And then season three, she just had her directorial debut in the final season. So, I mean, like, how cool to be the star of the show, one of the stars of the show. Yeah. And then become a writer and then become a director on it. Yeah. In a way that it's... I feel like I've seen, and this is not knocking anyone or anyone's career paths, but I feel like I've seen, you see a lot of actors when they're on like really longstanding shows. Become like producers. Or in also direct an episode. Yeah. You know, they're like, I've worked on this show forever. Like, I don't know that they're bored, but they want to try something different. Yeah. Want to do something fun. Love it. Don't know that most of them make careers of it. Some of them do. And I feel like James Lafferty, when he did One Tree Hill, I don't know if directing was something he wanted to do early on, but started directing in One Tree Hill and now I feel like a lot of Grey's Anatomy cast members have yes become pretty prolific like episodic directors. It's very cool. So I'm excited to hear from her if this was always her career path or if being on reservation dogs something lit inside of her that she was like, I really want to try this and then just see what she does next. Yeah. And she has a new movie coming out to Backspot that she also, she stars in, but she also produced. So yeah, she does some of everything and really excited for that. Um, And then we have (laughs) uh, Mike (laughs) Flanagan and Kate Siegel, which if you know me at all, (laughs) 
you will know that they are at the very top of my list um, of people that I just obsess over everything they do and think they're just the coolest. So, so yeah, that's super exciting. They're going to do a joint conversation and then they each have solo conversations that should be pretty cool. Can we talk about what we did that morning when we announced it to yeah. celebrate? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Jen came over. Okay. So if you know me at all, you know that I am terrified of ghosts. It's nothing new. We've talked about the dress school. We've talked about all of the things I've heard for years now, how incredible Haunting of Hill House is. Mm-hmm. And I have wanted to watch it desperately, mm-hmm. but have been too afraid. Not necessarily of the watching of it, but of when I go to bed that night. What's what's, what's gonna, waiting for you? Yes, yeah. what's waiting for me once I turn out the light. But I really wanted to watch it. So I told Jen, come over Wednesday morning on the announcement day. How early was this <laughs> for the people? Uh, what time did you get here? 8.15? Yeah. <laughs> 8 a.m. 8 a.m. screening <laughs> with donuts of the pilot of Hunting of Hill House. Um, I did shut the curtains. It wasn't like dark, dark. but It was pretty dark. It was pretty dark. I was surprised. And I only covered my eyes. You were so brave. Two to three times. Yeah. But the best part is when I cover my eyes, I still look through my fingers. I just... There's just an extra layer <laughs> between does. you and, and just the spooky. Just makes me feel safer. Yeah. So I loved it yes. and I want to keep watching. So Jen's just going to come over at 8 a.m. multiple times a week. Yep. And we're going to... We're going to get through this. We're going to watch it all. And I know there's one episode that I'm going to cry really hard. I don't know I why. I mean, at least one. Okay. But I know, but there's one. Everyone's like, there's the devastation. I mean, I think it's... I know it gets sad yeah. or the whole yeah. way, but... Yeah. But I did really love it. And I didn't have nightmares that first night. Good work. Yay, me. Yeah, I love that first episode. So, so yes, we celebrated with uh, some Hill House. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited for that. Mike is going to talk about uh, his incredible monologues, mm-hmm. which are like a staple of his series. Um, and Kate is going to talk about horror acting. I love it. Um, which we've never like had a conversation focus on that before. Um, and if anybody is equipped to talk about it, <laughs> it's, it's her. Right. So, yes, super excited for them to be first-time ATX panelists this Yay. year. Um, and then we also have a casting panel that we announced, which we're super, super excited for, um, with uh, Angelique Midthunder and Stacey Rice from Reservation Dogs and Jeannie Bacharach, <laughs> uh, who is now... Just basically part of the family. <laughs> she is. She is a staple in the ATX TV she's family. Been, the last two years, she's just an incredible person and panelist and casting director. Um, and so there's will be additional panelists announced for that one. But, um, but yeah, I think this is going to be a very cool casting conversation. Yeah, because they're really focused in on looking at Reservation Dogs and the Bear and the casting of basically unknowns for these roles and these two shows being so beloved by people and people falling in love with this cast of like breakout ensembles. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Of people that they didn't know before. Yeah. And how do you do that? How do you one find these people? And then how do you make sure that they have the chemistry to like be these really incredible ensembles? Yeah. So it should be fun. Yeah. We have fun things. I know. Um, oh, and then Trial by Content. Yay! Uh, one of my favorite Ringer podcasts. Um, 
We talk about them all the time. It's no surprise that we're Ringer fans. But uh, Trial by Content with Joanna Robinson, Dave Gonzalez, and Neil Miller uh, will be doing a live show around a TBD TV theme. <laughs> which We know it's TV. That's all that matters. Will be announced at some point so that you can prep and get ready for that. But, um, but yeah, it should be fun. Joanna's been to the festival a couple times, has moderated a lot, um, and we're big fans of all three of them. And so really excited to have the ringer represented and yeah to have a fun live show and then we also announced one more person that is added to the halt and catch fire oh my gosh yes reunion i know i know you're beside yourself <laughs> i feel like my face is <laughs> straining from the smile um toby huss love him so much the brilliant toby huss um Brilliant is, artist and actor. Yes. Guys, he's a painter. If you have not looked up his work, like, it's really, really cool and incredible. And Kate and I are kind of plotting how we can have a conversation about his paintings. Um, but yeah, he's, I mean, iconic actor, voice actor. Um, and just, I just adore Boz so much. Um I'm in the middle of a, a Halt and Catch Fire rewatch right now, actually. Mm, me too. Me too. Which I didn't realize you've seen it many more times than I have. Mm-hmm. But in my memory was that he was kind of terrible at the beginning of the show. And I think it's because he's, you know, against Joe and Joe's are, I don't know if Joe's the protagonist, but it's Joe's debatable. the person you're kind of rooting for at least. Yeah. And then like even Cameron, like there's just, there's tension there that he adds to. But I was like, he's not terrible from the beginning. No. He's like, not at all. And I know that he and Cameron have like a special relationship that comes. So I'm excited to see that <sighs> develop because like hasn't even really started yet. Yeah. Uh, and I'm only five or six episodes into my rewatch, but it's like, oh, you're much more likable in the beginning than I remember you being. Their relationship starts, like, their their dynamic starts to develop a lot earlier than I had remembered. Um, I think they have a, a very sweet scene in, I think, episode six of season one Ooh, during the what, hurricane. That's the next one. Um, and I just, yeah, there's just something, like, talk about magic ensembles, like, that cast, just the chemistry, every configuration Yes, that's of my that favorite cast, part. Like... It's just magic. Um, oh gosh, I really can't, I really cannot <laughs> I know, wait for this I panel. Know. It's going to um, be so great. And I know you're plotting and planning how it's going to go. Yes, we're, we're, we're working on making it very special. Um, so, yeah, if you're not caught up on Halt and Catch Fire, you still have time to it's dig a, into it. It's a pretty quick watch. It's only 40 episodes. Yeah, that's like nothing in TV terms. And they're all good. Do not listen to anybody. <laughs> Who talks down on season one. I do not subscribe to that. I do not subscribe to the fact that season one is not good. It is. It is good. It is great even. I agree. Especially in the back half. So watch it. Check it out. It's on AMC+. Plus. Um, I think the only thing you have to know going in is because I think this was easier for me the second go around is there's just computer terminology that I don't understand. And that's the point. I'm not supposed to understand. I understand what they're doing. I don't understand how they're doing it, but that's any show. It's like a succession where it's like, there's business terms flying around. You don't need to know 
what a bear hug is. You know, you just know that like somebody's getting squeezed. You know, it's like it's you. You'll, I did. You'll with get succession, the, finally you just at need, the like, end. The very top layer of what they're talking about. You understand they're trying to make a new computer. Yes, that's faster and smaller and uh, does all the things. That's all you need to know. That's yes. You will know what you need to know. Don't get bogged down in the computery ness of it. But yeah, and it is like complete. Mm -hmm. Like I don't want people to think it got like unceremoniously canceled. Like it, it's a full complete series. It is just. It's like, it's like a. It's just like a beautiful novel of a TV show. So this is one of probably more additional pleas that i'll make but you should check it out Mm -hmm. before we get to the festival you have time dig in sit with it and then get ready for for the reunion it'll be so fun so fun yep speaking of cool people we've had at the festival great transition thank you thank you um so we had a very cool executive panel Mm -hmm. from the people behind universal television alternative studio this is one of those panels where i think they were in and out of the festival pretty quick i didn't get to meet any of them and listening back i'm like oh you guys are really awesome and i wish that we had sat down and talked so we're gonna have to have you back yeah i know georgie also did the gentle art of yes swedish death cleaning panel so she may have seen a little bit more of the festival um but yeah this one came together I feel like pretty late in the Mm -hmm. game um, as we were kind of working on our executive conversations. Um, And we had not done, we had not really done one in this theme. We really tried to like, and are still trying to find more and more ways into like the unscripted realm um, because we do love those shows too. And there's a lot happening outside of scripted TV, obviously. So um so yeah, this is sort of an inside look into one specific studio's like process and like how they sort of their POV on how they're finding and cultivating and developing um, these shows, which is really cool. Yeah, it's really fun to listen because I feel like we do have so many conversations on the scripted development world. Mm -hmm. So it's nice to have the deep dive onto the unscripted world and like what works and what doesn't and what they get excited about and that they just feel that there's so many great stories out there to tell, whether it's a docuseries or a game show or the more kind of, I guess, lifestyle reality show. It was fun watching them get excited. Mm-hmm. about the different concepts and especially even IP and how they go about finding IP and what they think works and what they think doesn't work and why I was very fascinated by it. Yeah. there. I feel like we're constantly talking about IP, but when you think about IP, at least I don't automatically think of like international formats for like unscripted shows and game shows. And like, that is very much like a part of this IP boom that we're having. It's not just like, adapting books and films and stuff like that. Um, So I think this is like a cool, like kind of broader perspective on what, um, what is really like clicking in terms of IP right now and what they're looking for and how they're trying to kind of stay ahead of the curve and find like the next thing that's really going to hit. 
What I think is interesting about IP for unscripted versus scripted is I feel like, which there's many great scripted shows that, you know, have crossed the pond, if you will. Mm -hmm. But I feel like sometimes in the scripted shows, they try too hard to basically make it the original show just with American accents. Mm -hmm. You know, like they're different cultures and they're different places. And some shows do a great job of that, but some they're just like, we're just going to basically take this and just put it in America and do the same thing. Yeah. Or the things that make it unique, they try and do an American. You're like, it doesn't work because we're a different country and have different thoughts and values and culture and all that jazz. Whereas these unscripted shows, because all you're doing is taking the concept, Mm -hmm. not all you're doing, but, the basis of it, you're taking the concept and putting it in these different countries. So there's so much that the culture can just fill in that you're not trying to dictate. And I think that that's really fun because it's like something that works really well in one place. When you do it in a different place, it works still well, but completely differently because there's just people have different ways of interacting in different countries. And I think it's fun to watch. Yeah. It's like the traders conversation that's happening now where like everyone who's obsessed with the u.s version is now discovering like the uk version and the australia version and the ways that basically the exact same show the exact same setting and rules and challenges even like play just with different people from those countries like i think it's yeah is is like kind of a perfect example of of what you're talking about but yeah, it's really fun. And it's kind of a world that we're hoping to dig, dig into more this year as well. Um, but yeah. But yeah. With that, let them tell you about their jobs. I also like that they start off just explaining the structure of universal television. and Which is helpful. for uh, Very helpful. There's, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of different divisions, how they all work together. It's a great starting place to like set the stage for then what each of these people do and what they focus on and their jobs. So here is Inside a Studio, Universal Television Alternative Studio, with panelists Toby Gorman, President of Utah's, Georgie Herford-Jones, EVP Current Programming, and Monica Rodman, EVP Development, moderated by Variety's Michael Schneider. South by Southwest returns this March with an all-new lineup of talent waiting to be discovered. Their film and TV festival offers a first look at some of the year's biggest blockbuster hits and original works by first-time filmmakers. For nine days in March, you'll have the chance to see hundreds of exclusive premieres and venues all across Austin. This year's program features provocative dramas, documentaries, comedies, and genre standouts from around the globe. Attendees looking to network will also have the opportunity to connect with a wide array of industry experts in their conference and mentor sessions. The 2024 film and TV lineup is now live, so check out what's in store and learn how to join them for unparalleled discovery and learning at southbysouthwest.com slash attend. That's sxsw.com slash attend. Thank you, thank you. Hello, everybody. I'm Michael Schneider, TV editor at Variety, and uh, let's get alternative Let's get unscripted. Let's 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 talk a little bit about the real stuff going down. So uh, excited to introduce our panelists. So uh, all from Universal Television Alternative Studio. First up, he is the president of Utahs, which is a division, of course, of Universal Studio Group. Mr. Toby Gorman. Thank 
<laughs> she is the executive vice president of development at uh, Utah's uh, Monica Rodman. Woo. And finally, <laughs> she's the executive vice president, current programming at Universal Television Alternative Studio, Georgie Herford Jones. We made it up here. No one fell. Mission success. <laughs> Your lineup for the 2023 <laughs> Universal <laughs> Television Alternative Studio. Well, thanks for uh, coming out, gang. It's, uh, you know, it is summer, which means it is, it is time to shine, right? This is, this is when alternative is really, very really true. front and center. Yes, so. very true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, well, before we begin, I, I do want to give everyone a little more of a taste of your backgrounds. Uh, and we could talk a little bit about coming up in the business and how you landed at the job now. Because I think a lot of folks here, especially at ATX, it's, uh, they're, they're TV fans, but they're also really interested in the story behind the story and how uh, folks even you know, made it to the kinds of jobs that you had. So, uh, Toby, I want to start with you uh, because... Uh, before Universal, you were the interim CEO at Magical Elves, uh, which, as you know, behind shows like Top Chef, etc. cetera. Uh, and before that, president of entertainment at A. Smith & Company Productions. Um, some of the shows, for example, you want to share? Uh, while I was there, we made a show called The Titan Games with the studio I now work at. So it's a bit strange, but yes, well, that was the big one we did. Um, but they make Ninja Warrior and, and many other great titles. And uh, you're also an executive producer on uh, the reboot of Nat Geo's Brain Games with Keegan-Michael Key. Remember that. Uh, Also, you worked on Mental Samurai with the one and only Rob Lowe with The American Treasure. Uh, And uh, you executive produced Death by Magic on Netflix. Uh, So I guess the... And, and, uh, you know, we'll go down the line, too, and get everyone's sort of origin story, but... The simple question, Toby, of of how did you sort of end up in this 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 <laughs> this line of television? It's not a simple answer. It's a long answer, but I'll try and simplify it. I started as a a PA. We call them runners uh, in England, uh, twenty plus years ago, uh, and I worked for ITV. And the first show I ever worked on was called Pop Stars, and Pop Stars evolved into Pop Idol. And that evolved into American Idol. And I ended up working on American Idol here, just in a strange sort of circular uh, uh, thing. Um, so, yeah, I started at the very bottom. Uh, when I, on day one, I was in charge of ordering stationery, pens and pencils, for the different shows that ITV were making. Uh, but I got to meet everyone, you know, run around, understand what was going on. I had been to broadcasting college, so I had learned how to shoot edits, lights, audio, everything. And so they quickly found out that I had these skills. And within a few months, I was a DV camera operator uh, in the field. So I had quite an ascent. I started uh, in TV when I was 21. And I was show running my first production at 27, which is very early. And that was in the UK. Uh, And then um, when I was about 29, I was show running a show in the UK uh, called Celebrity Family Fortunes, which out here is Family Feud. And uh, NBC was doing a special of Celebrity Family Feud, and I was invited to come out and EP that. 
uh, when I was 29 years old, which is just, you know, a year or two ago. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of a quick origin story for me. Yeah, no, no, interesting. And, and uh, Monica, how would you kind of compare your origin story? Different, but similar, similar. In, uh, so I actually in school studied um, marketing and I really, my goal was to move to LA and work for a studio or a network, but to be in marketing or promotions or I had a business degree and I minored in, um, in film. Um, and then when I got here, my first job I was offered was a job as a PA on Judge Judy. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll just try this out. Oh, you and, have stories then, don't you? Oh, I, yes, because I, later I worked on um, Celebrity Apprentice for Trump. So you I, story, I, have I, stories. I have, I have a lot of stories. No, um, but um, so I, I really didn't know that much about production or like what it meant to be a producer. So I really learned on the job and ended up staying there for four years um, then I moved to New York and actually started a couple of um, court shows there. Um, and I really understood the daytime space, but sometimes you can kind of get stuck in one arena. And so my goal was really to branch out into broader reality. So once I moved back to LA, my first job in reality was Celebrity Apprentice. And um, so I worked for Mark Burnett and did quite a few shows for him and quite a few shows for NBC. And so I got to know them. And um, my goal still was to get to a studio or a network, but now in a more creative capacity. So I chose to try to work on every type of show possible. So when I got to this job, I could speak to a cooking show. I can speak to a dating show. Um, I've touched everything as a producer so I can help develop it or say it can't be produced. Um, so that was kind of my path. And so I ended up at the studio almost eight years ago in this job. Yeah, it is interesting when you look at sort of how all of you have crossed paths in different ways with, uh, you know, the, it, it, this, the, the alternative community. It's, it's still very small, sort of relative probably to the, the scripted world where everyone eventually works in different places and meets the same people as they move around. So, and Georgia, I'm sure that's what you have found too. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I, I started out, I mean, I actually did accountancy and financial advising. You know, I mean, which couldn't have been further from what I knew anything <laughs> about. I think I just realized, oh, I better do something. Um, but then I started out at the bottom. I was a production secretary, terrible at it. Um, so I think they just moved me and said, we, we better get you over there. Um, and then I stayed doing that. And I worked on game shows quit and just worked my way up. But the big one was when I went to do an, um, an entertainment newsroom where you had to get up early in the morning. You had to find a story, grab a camera, this was in the UK, go out, film it, and have it on the air, edit it, and have it on the air by the end of the day. And that's where I learned so much. And then started to go into more entertainment, and then I started working with Graham Norton. I don't know if you know him, and then things like... <laughs> you do. Um, and then Simon Cowell, um, which took me on a whole road, which brought me to America. Oh, you have stories. Oh, I've got... Uh, that's that's the, th uh, oh. the ongoing... Uh, <laughs> yeah. Thread through Between all us, we've got yeah. a yes, really good book. Yeah. So yes, and then went to Endemol Shine um, and did all kinds of shows there, and then came to join these two at Utah. Yeah, and and uh, to to be clear, do you actually pronounce it Utah, or did, did I just make that up? No, we do. Yeah, it was a, it was a lucky strike for you. You did well. Yeah. Universal Television Alternative Studio is a mouthful, so yeah. we like an acronym in our business, Utah. Yeah, no, no, we we like it in in the press too. Uh, it's uh, probably better than once upon a time there was the NBC Universal Television Studios. Do you remember that? The acronym, nuts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. That's where they no one actually wrote that down and figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> So tell, uh, tell the kids in the audience a, a little bit about the studio uh, and, and sort of its, its origins and also where it is now, and then we'll kind of talk a little bit about some of the shows and, and State of the Union, et cetera. But give everyone a, a sort of a brief primer. Sure. So um, we're part of a, a group of studios known as Universal Studios Group, USG. We'll, we'll roll with the acronyms. USG. Yeah, yeah, USG. Uh, it's the umbrella brand for four powerhouse studios. There's Universal Content Productions, Universal International Studios, Universal Television, and then Universal Television Alternative Studio, Utah's. Uh, collectively, the four studios are producing about 108 productions across 25 platforms globally today. Uh, and for us specifically, the uh, Utah's, we're known for uh, being a global supplier of broad, premium, unscripted programming. Yeah, so you're talking about an example of shows. So that's my jam, for instance, mm. Jimmy Fallon. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, Baking It, uh, Amy Poehler and Maya Rudolph. I know you did the panel today on the gentle art of Swedish death cleaning. So, uh, and uh, coming up, uh, uh, you know, some new shows like uh, The Americas, the Your Natural History Project. Yeah. Uh, you've got Dick Wolf's Blood and Money. Um, you know, uh, uh, Surviving Earth. Uh, a lot coming up as well. Yeah, I'll, let me give you a little more. So that was like the 30,000-foot the view of our um, collective studios. When you just look at Utah's, we started about eight years ago. Monica was there at the beginning. Uh, and we were known, or we started with, one single game show. And then we quickly became known for big shows, big ideas, with big A-list talent. So we had the Titan Games with The Rock, going to be confident that you know who that is. Uh, World of Dance with Jennifer Lopez, another good one. Yeah. Um, and then, as you mentioned, most recently, that's my jam with Jimmy Fallon. That project launched a year and a half ago on NBC. Um, second season just aired. It's been um, optioned in 12 countries around the world. Uh, and so it's becoming a very successful format for us globally. And we love global formats. We love making shows that get replicated around the world. So The Wall, which we produced with LeBron James, has been made now in 30 countries around the world. Uh, Hollywood Game Night, hopefully you've seen that. I used to show run, show run that one. Uh, and now I'm in the studio, overseeing the studio that makes it. It's all very strange. But uh, that one has been made in 25 countries. So we love a format and we're always in pursuit of that type of stuff. But recently, we've started to open up or pivot uh, in, or, and broaden up into these other spaces. We're doing uh, docuseries, we're doing crime, we're doing natural history, and also big premium docs. We're launching later this month um, a project we're very excited about with Dick Wolf, and it's his first uh, docuseries project on broadcast. It's called LA Fire and Rescue. Is that the one you heard about? I see you nodding. You excited about that one? Good. Uh, and what's amazing about that series is it's unprecedented access to the first responders across greater Los Angeles. And the land that they cover is vast. Um, and to be embedded with these heroes as they go about their everyday work and you see them saving lives on the street, in the ocean, helicopters flying, whatever it may be, is like jaw-dropping. It's amazing stuff. So that's a big one that we're very excited about. And we hope to do more of that kind of stuff. We love a game, we love a competition, but we're really enjoying this sort of stepping into 
the real world. It's good to see Dick Wolf getting work. Yeah, I know the guy. The guy. The guy needs a show. He needs a show. Yeah. Yeah. He needs his own network. Is probably what he needs. I, in fact, I think we are his network now. Yeah. 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 I, I, I think you, you didn't realize when you woke up one yeah. day. And we work for him. We, we, work, we all for work for Dick Wolf. Yeah. You probably do too. You just don't realize. <laughs> we all do. We all do. But yeah, it, it's interesting that, you know, uh, you, you mentioned the game shows and sort of those studio shows. I still love the fact that they're referred to in the industry as the, the shiny floor shows. Yeah. Uh, because there is sort of a, a unique element and that it goes back to like the history of TV. Like that's, you know, the first shows on TV were sort of shiny floors. And, and I know they're still huge in the UK as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I spent the first half of, of my career, the bulk of my career when I was producing on shiny floor uh, shows. And that really means you're, you're in a studio making some sort of game show. Um, and I don't think that part of our genre is ever going to go away. There's a mo- there was a moment long, not long ago where there were almost too many game shows being produced sort of be backed away a little bit as a genre and as a community. I'm of the belief that in a recession, a game show is a really nice escape. Like watching someone win some money and that joy is beautiful escapism. So I think there's sort of another wave coming. Um, but yeah, they'll always be with us. Shiny Floor Game Shows, Georgie and I spent a long, a lot, separate, separate careers, but a lot of shows. We did cross there. paths once. We did, briefly, yes. briefly. Yeah. But we made all the big shows in the UK that were those Shiny Floor. And I think for me, it's, it's really that it brings the family together. And in the UK, that's what everybody loves, is the whole family sitting down. The big night for us is a Saturday night or a Friday night, so they're usually on then. Um, but it's, it's a fantastic way for the whole family to all get together. And I don't think that will ever go away, really. Yeah, and you mentioned uh, formats, and, and obviously the, those are the kind of formats that are easily translated uh, around the globe. I mean, w- give me sort of a, uh, sort of a snapshot of, the formats business right now and you know what it's looking like globally how bullish are you on it and and what sort of territories uh, are, are you really sort of looking to grow in so we have an uh, incredible formats group that sits within our international studio within usg uh, and um i think they would tell you that formats right now are hot uh, uh, we just optioned a big format from belgium uh called destination x which is Sort of in the spirit of Amazing Race, I don't know if you're aware of it, but you may not have heard of it yet. It's, it's, it's going to a bunch of countries, and we were very lucky to uh, to option it ourselves. <clears throat> um, the game is is essentially ten contestants on a bus uh, with the windows blacked out, and they they drive around. They're driven. They don't drive with blacked out windows. <laughs> they're driven around uh, Europe. And they get off the bus at certain times. They get to see certain things, clues, and they have to figure out where they are in Europe. Am I in France? Am I in Germany? Am I in London? And there are some misdirects to kind of uh, uh, confuse them a little bit, which is sort of fun. But they get out, they play these great challenges, and the show ends with them getting on the bus, sitting in a pod with a map, a screen, and they have to put an X on where they think they are in Europe. Right? And so they all press the button. You don't get to see quite what they guess, but whoever's furthest away gets kicked off the bus. And they're off this bus and there's this incredible reveal where the bus drives away and then they see, suddenly see the Eiffel Tower or the Leaning Tower of Pisa and go, they go, oh my God, I'm in Italy or whatever it may be. The really beautiful part of it all is as a viewer, you've got no idea where they are too. And so that reveal at the end is for you as, as much as it is for them. Um, that has done very well in Belgium. We were quick to option it. A few other countries have bought it. There are more announcements coming. 
But the really interesting part of this one is we've partnered with the BBC in the UK to develop it and produce it together. And our organizations recently did that with another format that's probably the fastest selling or the fastest growing format um, of recent times, uh, which is called The Traitors. Thank you. Uh, the Traitors, if you haven't seen it, it's on Peacock, um, has done very well globally, uh, and I think is another sign of where we're headed with these, um, these types of formats, which is great play along, a great guessing game. Who done it is essentially what that is. And for Destination X, it's not who done it, it's where are they or where am I, which is super fun. So those types of formats uh, are traveling. I mentioned that's my jam. That's doing incredibly well in record time. So yeah, I think the formats business is big and the key to a, a good format is a great game, great play along, something that's relatable, but it needs to be simple, right? Most formats are incredibly simple that have gone on forever. Yeah, you need a good elevator pitch. A good yes. If you can, if you can't describe the show in a sentence, a, a sentence or two, it's probably not going to be a big format globally. You need to be able to really simplify it and make sure that there's a there's a hook. Yeah, Monica, what are you looking for when you uh, sort of see uh, you know either a format that's hot that that intrigues you or or what what sort of stands out in your mind? Oh gosh, um, you know, I think for us, it's it is really hard to cut through the clutter. There is so there are so many shows out there, so. We're always kind of looking for something that feels familiar, but is like a, has a little turn to it. Like, um, you know, it can be like a 20 degree difference that makes all the difference in the world. You can you can make American Idol and you can make The Voice. They're both singing shows, but they're very different tonally, um, and they live on very different networks for a reason. And so I think for us, we're always looking for something that feels buzzy, that's going to cut through the clutter. Um, that's going to be unique, that will hopefully bring audiences to the TV, which is challenging in these days. Um, and I think, um, you know, talent is a big piece of it. Access is a big piece. If there's access to a world that we've never seen before, um, that's something that's like really catchy for us as well. Um, you know, crime as, a, um, you know, we're, we're expanding into all these different genres, um, natural history and crime and, um, those shows are, are, are I mean, I, I feel like we're being asked to produce more crime every day. I think Georgie would agree. She's now producing lots of crime. <laughs> um, it's better than being asked to do more crime yeah. every day. <laughs> yeah. Definitely a difference. There's a difference. Fair, My husband fair. sleeps with one eye open these days. <laughs> <laughs> we're learning so much. <laughs> but yeah, cry, crime, uh, you know, that, that is... Uh, Crime is everything right now, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it is it is fascinating. So obviously, you mentioned the the Dick Wolf project, but what are you finding out there? And and you know, is the marketplace saturated yet, or is there such a thing as too much crime these days, given just the appetite the audience has? I don't really think so. I think um, we like to look for projects that are crime adjacent too. So it's like I would say the Tinder Swindler is a really good example of something like nobody died. But there was a crime and somebody was swindled and there's a mystery and there's something that you're pursuing, but it's not always, you know, the husband is killed or the wife is killed and you're telling that story over and over. So I do think there is a lot of space for it in the doc world, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And the the, the folks over here, your cousins over at NBC News saying, we, we got this with Dateline. Yes. We're, uh, we are the OGs well. yeah. when it comes to crime, and they, they still are having a moment, which is crazy. But, Georgie, you were going to say something. No, I was going to say, as, as long as there's crimes happening, you know, there's always stories that, that will stand out and that people want to know more about. It's just natural fascination to it. 
Yeah, I, I do feel like that's not going to go away. So there will be content. There, there, there will be content. But um, uh, you know, speaking of talent, uh, you know, and speaking of the USG umbrella, uh, because you do have sort of access to talent from other divisions, and, and obviously a, a number of uh, you know actors who have appeared on NBCU shows are part of your family as well. Uh, and uh, you know, Amy Poehler being a good example, Nick Offerman. Um, what is sort of that? give and take like with some of the other divisions and working with them and, and working with their talent when they say, I've got a unscripted idea that I want to pursue. Yeah. So we um, support the unscripted aspirations of 35 talent first look and overall deals at the studio. And those cover both scripted and unscripted, but as the only unscripted studio, we do support all of their interests. Um, and that's from Amy Poehler to Tina Fey to Steph Curry to Dwayne Johnson and Seven Bucks, um, uh, Rachel Maddow, it really runs the gamut. And so we work with them in a variety of ways. Often we'll take them a project that we think feels like a natural fit or something that they would be interested in. Um, or sometimes they pitch us their passion projects, which is always ideal for us because um, we really want to focus on authenticity. We want the shows to feel like they came from that piece of talent. It wasn't just a format we developed and plopped somebody in there. Um, so when talent comes to us with their passion projects, we always lean in. Um, and that's what happened with Making It and Amy Poehler. When our deal first started, she came in. We had spent all this time developing all these shows. We were like ready for this pitch. And she comes in and she's like, can I just pitch my passion project? We're like, yeah, yeah sure. So she wanted to do a crafting competition series that she hosted with um, Nick Offerman. Um, and she said she's not a crafter, but she just loves crafting and wants to be a part of it. So it was better than any of the ideas we had come up with, <laughs> which is great. And so that's how Making It came. And, you know, I think the success of that show really does come from the fact that she loves the space. Um, and uh, Baking It, which was a spinoff of Making It, came um, from, I think, that passion. She just loved doing it, and um, audiences felt that. So that's always something when it comes to talent that's top of mind for us. The question is, does it get awkward if uh, a big star comes to you and it's not such a great yes. idea? Yes, sometimes. It's not awkward. It's just like you, sometimes when you have newer relationships, you kind of, they don't, sometimes they don't know the space very well, unscripted. And so usually you go, you might go through a couple ideas or a couple iterations of the idea before you land on on the right one or how to how to tackle that idea that they have that they love, but come at it from a different way. So we get there in the end. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, Georgie, one of the important things in current is, of course, making sure that hits stay hits and shows evolve. And, uh, you know, give give everyone sort of a little sense of what that is like in, in working with producers and finding ways to uh, evolve shows and, and keep shows fresh and, uh, you know, some of those challenges. Right. I mean, that's the key, isn't it? You want the big hit that returns and returns and returns, but you, you need to keep it fresh. So... We always look at the end of every season and look at what's really stood out to the audiences and what the DNA of the show is. I mean, for example, on the wall, we changed um, around this year and we did the super drop, which was seven balls that you could say, I want to go gold on this and that they would all go down. But if you got the question wrong, they'd all go red and you'd lose everything. You know, so that was an example of how we just looked at it and we wanted to add more tension um, and then you've got other shows like We Kiss Link, where we've just done three specials that um, were themed um, with drag. Or, you know, we just came up with twins. And so there's some really fun standout specials there. So it's just taking what people love 
the key is to not change things too much, you know. And we looked at That's My Jam and saw which games people loved the most and sort of tweaked a couple of new games, more music, more... And it's really about just seeing what people respond to and then keeping the show DNA so you're not changing things up too much. It's just slight changes make the world of difference. Right. People don't like a lot of change. No. So you have to be very They still careful. want their comfy slippers, but they just don't, want, you know, they'd like a slightly newer pair. <laughs> so my question on the wall is, what are LeBron James's notes like? And, uh, you know, what, what are, what, you know, what, what sort of things does he bring uh, when, when he's like, yeah, maybe we should, uh, you know, add yeah. another ball? It, yeah, exactly. Let's <laughs> turn the balls gold. No, he's great. He, he's a very good partner with us and he's always in there with us and he has great ideas and it's a, it's a partnership we're proud of. Yeah. Unfortunately, he has a little more time on his hands now. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's rough. It's rough. But, you know. That means he could develop more TV shows oh, now. Sure, so. that's good. Get him that's working. Good. We welcome that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to do? Um, well, let's let's talk a little bit about what else you're sort of excited about uh, that, that either we haven't talked about yet that's coming up or uh, you know something that maybe you think deserves a little more attention that uh, should be in the conversation. There's a project I think we're all very excited about that's been a long time in the making uh, called The Americas. And the Americas is essentially our version of planet Earth. Uh, it's a show that's been four years in the making. Um, and uh, we partnered with the BBC Natural History Unit that make planet Earth to, to uh, make the show with us. It's a 10-part event, 10 episodes. And we're going to travel from the North Pole to the South Pole across our continent, looking at everything in between. We've been fortunate enough to look at some of the material they've been capturing, and it's mind-blowing. It's like nothing we've ever done before at our studio. Uh, uh, we have recently announced that Tom Hanks is narrating that project, which is just going to take it to a whole other level. Uh, and it's due to air um, summer of next year. So we're still a year away. Um, but we're very excited that in two weeks, George and I are flying to London with some of the team to view the very first rough cut, the very first episode. Uh, I just love that show because I think to what you were saying before about viewing with your family, viewing with the kids. It's, I have young children. I'm excited for that show because I know I will sit down and they will love it. I have a seven-year-old and a five-year-old. And equally, my parents, you know, the grandparents would love it too. You're going to learn, you're going to cry, you're going to laugh, and you see what these animals are doing. Uh, and there's a lot of behavioral firsts that we've captured, stuff that people haven't seen on camera before, these animals in these habitats. So it's, it's been a labor of love. It's been many years, but it's something very special that I think is like once in a generation. And Tom Hanks, of course, a multi-generational. I mean, the kids know him, the, the, the grown-ups know him too. Right. We, we were in a, a meeting early on, like, who is Attenborough in the U.S.? Like, who can stand shoulder to shoulder? And there's really a list of one, and it was Tom. And thankfully, he, he, he agreed. Yeah. Uh, so we got him. We're very proud that he wanted to be uh, associated. It's his first non-scripted project, uh, which, again, is, it makes it super special. That's actually surprising, huh? So, yeah, I think he's been a busy boy, right? So, yeah. I, uh, <laughs> he has been a little bit of a busy boy. So, now is he pitching you other ideas? He want to do a shiny floor show? Uh, not yet. No, I don't know that we're going to get Tom hosting a game show anytime soon. We're but here ne for never it. say never. Yeah, never say <laughs> soon never. Soon as he's ready. Yes. <laughs> that um, would be amazing. That would be amazing. So, yeah, that's the one that I am particularly fond of. But, and I know we all are, but uh, what about you two? 
Yeah, we've got three premium docs that haven't been announced yet, which we will be announcing in the next month, which are incredible stories that need to be told. So I'm super excited. That's a terrible answer, isn't it? Because I'm not really giving you the answer, but <laughs> hold that answer. And, and in a month, yeah, yeah, I love it. So a month from now, everyone will be, oh, that's yeah, what. that's oh. what she was on about. Uh, we'll all get back to each other then. <laughs> Um, so we love our um, collaboration with Jimmy Fallon and his production company, Electric Hot Dog. So we actually have, um, after That's My Jam, we've got a couple more projects that, again, I can't say, but that we're all really excited about um, and just wanting to really amplify that relationship as much as we can. You're all, all teases, all teases. <laughs> I, I gave a lot away. I, I feel like I told they're, you what, yeah, you, I did a good job. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, and, and, and actually, the Hanks uh, brings me back to the, the, the fact that, you know, in this day and age, you are seeing a lot more A-listers who, who are dabbling in unscripted. Uh, both, uh, you know, we mentioned LeBron James behind the scenes, but even as hosts, remember, there used to be a real stigma to A-listers that, you know, unscripted was beneath them. But uh, everyone's really embraced it now. It's, 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 you know, seen as art on par with everything Yeah, else. I think there was a fear before where those big A-list talents, if you were to do a game show, competition show, that it may be detrimental to your movie career or other projects. And I think now everybody realizes it's just not. It's just another creative outlet. And if you pursue something that you're passionate about, why not? So when we were developing the Titan Games and we took it to The Rock and he's like, actually, I've been thinking about this space and I'm really excited about it. Let's do it. That makes sense. If we'd have gone to The Rock and said, would you like to host The Wall? I think you'd probably be like, no, that doesn't make sense with me. So it's about finding the right thing, the passion projects, like you mentioned. But yeah, I think now, um, I think really anyone, you can get anyone. We've had Jennifer Lopez. We've, we've got, now got Tom. I just feel like anyone is, is potentially going to do a non-scripted project if it speaks to them. Mm -hmm. And everyone's got that thing they're passionate about. So it's about tapping into it. Yeah, and even like with the Titan Games, we developed that with, Dwayne in mind before he was attached. So everything that we did, we kind of tried to filter through his brand or through his lens so that when Toby presented it, it felt like it was what he'd been looking to do for, you know, all these years, but just hadn't had it put in front of him. Yeah. So it's and intentional. I, yeah. And I think with the Dick Wolf, although he's not a celebrity in the same way, it was such a natural progression to be doing the real life LA fire and the real life, you know, so it's been a very, it's been a great journey. He loves the space and we're really enjoying teaming up with him. I think we've got five projects yeah. with him now and more to come. He's yeah. just, and, and I love to share this little anecdote that we weren't in the Dick Wolf business as a studio until our studios came together uh, as this, uh, as this foursome. And we, uh, you mentioned it earlier, we really benefit now from these, these deals that used to sit independently in each studio are all being shared, and that's why our volume has increased, and we're doing five shows with, with Dick Wolf. And I think Dick Wolf is the only person who would get the LA Fire Department to agree to us coming as well. So it's there very is true. that. that that's yeah. absolutely a fact. Yeah. Right, right. And he'll never just do one. So it's LA Fire first, <laughs> and there'll be LA Doctors and LA Vets. LA, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there may be a few in development, yes. <laughs> so perhaps. Um, well, we talked a little bit about sort of the, the state of the business, but uh, I, I'm curious, and, and we kind of focused on formats before, but just in general, uh, it is an interesting time, obviously. Um, you know, we, the elephant in the room is there is a writer's strike going on. There, there, uh, the, the business, <coughs> excuse me, 
is changing in general with streaming. Um, where where does unscripted fit into all of this? As I'm about to choke As, Yeah, are you okay? <laughs> I'm really concerned about yeah, unscripted. I can tell it's really emotional. Um, uh, it does affect unscripted. We use uh, WGA writers on some of our shows, and some of those writers have won awards for their work on our shows. So we're, we're proud to, to um, partner with them on specific projects. Um, as a studio, we respect the WGA's right to demonstrate. Uh, and I think the truth is, once we're through uh, uh, this period, which is obviously very difficult for the industry as a whole, I think it, it will help build a better foundation for us all. So, uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's not ideal, but we'll get there. Yeah, it, I know, yeah I, I, I took my sip of water. I'm all good now. Very, very choked up. I just want to make sure you're okay, that the business is okay. Uh, but, but you know, the, the, you know we, we joke about summertime is uh, prime time for Unscripted. But, of course, as we know, Unscripted is forever. It is 365. Uh, but when you look at the fall schedules, uh, you know, some of the networks are relying more on Unscripted. And it, it is sort of, uh, you know, a, a lot of contingency programming as a result. Have you found that that has changed at all your development process? Or is there more demand right now? And, and are you having to sort of up your development or...? Not yet. Um, I think there's always been a balanced slate across NBC Universal and our studios, so we, we haven't, had, haven't seen any major effects yet. But of course, if it goes on uh, uh, for a continued period, there will be, there will be a higher demand. Um, we're just not there yet, and hopefully we don't get there. So tell me about the pitching process. <laughs> I don't think we have any aspiring producers in the room, but I'm not going to allow you to pitch. I'm sorry. <laughs> We're all friends here, uh, but but you know I do think there's some some beneficial uh, advice that maybe you could sort of give on what works. What what really do you respond to? What what does a pitch look like these days? Well, the good thing is a pitch can look like many many different things. Um, uh, sometimes we'll just get log lines in from production companies um, or independent producers or our talent. Um, it can come in the in the form of a one sheet. Um, sometimes they're fully fleshed out ideas with decks and a sizzle and they're ready to take to market, which is always nice. Um, um, but, you know, I think what we're really looking for, um, what we love is when people come in and they've researched the space. So if you're pitching a dating show, you've watched every dating show, you know what's out there, you know what people are responding to, um, you know that your idea feels different um, and special compared to what's already out there. Um, and it's really well thought through. And I think that's something that we always really respect and appreciate when hearing pitches. Um, and I think also just, um, you know, kind of to what I said before, like making sure that it feels different, that it feels buzzy and noisy and something that you know um, will grab people's attention because that is the hardest thing to do these days is grab attention. Um, so we're always looking for something that we feel like sparks some passion in us or like, ooh, this feels different. Like I would watch this. Like we haven't seen this before. Um, when we get excited about something, we're all in and we love collaborating um, and we love winning together. So we're, we always have our green hats on. We're always hoping that the idea that comes in is something that we can partner on. Um, and that's how we really, you know, operate. 
Well, we talked crime. We talked uh, a little bit about game. Uh, and dating, of course, is a, a hot uh, sort of genre right now. But what else sort of is out there, would you say? Or what, what are you guys looking at in terms of maybe different formats or genres that uh, are interesting to you or you think are about to break? Um, we've been trying to figure out um, social experiment for some time. We've got a couple in the hopper. Though, of course, we're teasing again. But um, with some fun talent, um, you know, I think buyers for a while now have kind of been trying to figure out how that um, genre is evolving. Like, what is the next Big Brother? What is the next Survivor? Those um, big brands have been around for so long. So how do you bring something in that feels different and special? Um, and so we're trying to crack that. I think that's something that um, pretty universally every buyer would love to have their next big social experiment that will travel also yeah. around the road, the world. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, uh, uh jury duty over on freebie, uh, yeah. I think really sort of has, has gotten a lot of people talking as well. Yeah. I'm really, really glad they took that swing because it was risky and it was very brave mm -hmm. and it paid off and it's, yeah. re it's really good. And that those kind of things open the door for us to take bigger risks. Like we want buyers to take risks on new ideas and original ideas. Um, so for us, things like that working are, it's, you know, it's yeah. Cold. Yeah. No, there's nothing better than when a show sort of comes out of nowhere and re re rejuvenates the entire genre. Like when Mass Singer came along a couple of years ago and it just felt like, okay, that gives everyone permission once again to go wild. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and there is always that sort of back and forth of how crazy can you go, uh, with, with, with a format or, or with a show? Uh, and are we in a time where you can really swing for the fences? Do you feel like people are being a little more uh, aggressive or ambitious right now? Or uh, you know, coming out of the pandemic, did that change things and what people were looking for? It's, well, it's a, hard, it's, a, it's a hard one because we love it when people take risks, right? We, we, we want to take a risk. We're all friendly with the buyer that bought Mars Singer over at Fox. And I remember the night before that premiered, he was very nervous because it was a big swing, right? And I think that feeling you get in your gut of this could be brilliant or this could be an absolute disaster, I'm going to get fired, is probably the space we should be in. But the truth is you can't, as a commissioner, you can't be in that space all the time because you probably will end up, end up getting fired. <laughs> so you have to find those shows that are a little more familiar, safer, but, but nothing is going to pop like that or The Voice or Got Talent unless you truly take that risk. So we're always looking to do it. Uh, it's easier for us because we're on the creator side, on the, on the seller side. Uh, and on the buyer side, I think right now, um, I think there's a, there is a, a will to, to try things. And I think Jury Duty helps. Um, I think Traitors helps. Uh, they are starting to feel like, okay, they, they are fresh formats. And, and our community hadn't seen one in a while, probably since The Masked Singer. So I think we are about to enter a period where more risks will be taken. And we will get that once every 10, 12-year format that just blows up and goes around the world. And we're pursuing that, right? We are in our, our North Star is the pursuit of the next big one, which truthfully is every 10 or 15 years. 
Well, and, and the flip side of that, too, is the question of IP, of course, which is the one of the hot topics in this industry, is how much do you go back to the catalog, to the library, and and revive uh, titles that were popular once upon a time? And how difficult is that to, to revive those titles? So we've, we've done that in the past at different stages of our career. Uh, we obviously have a lot of IP within the Universal Group um, um, uh, and our organization as a whole, you know, on the film side or whatever. So we're always looking at that and exploring it. Um, we're dabbling in some right now. It comes with complications. It, you can't just take a piece of IP uh, and completely turn it on its head without getting the people that created it on board. And usually that's quite hard. So you've got you've to stay within the construct of whatever that piece of IP is. But it's a much faster track to break through and get attention um, and cut through the clutter. So we are talking about it a lot. And I think a lot of our competitors are too. I think if you look at us as a studio and what we're actually producing now, there's a lot of different genres, like we're in CGI, we're in natural history, we're in true crime. It's really evolving. Utah is certainly taking steps and evolving um, all the time. So one question that I know you were briefed on, so I'm going to throw it out your way, is uh, you personally... Which show do you think you would be best fit for as a contestant, <laughs> as a contestant. or as a performer or as, you know, what, uh, what do you aspire to so, appear I, on? I would love to be on The Price is Right. <laughs> I just have so much fun watching that show and the hysteria of all the contestants on it just make it so much fun. So not our show, not on our network, but boy, is that a good one. I would, I would love to give that a crack. And, and you do the, the bid the $1 just... Yeah, to... exactly. Oh, yeah, it annoys everyone. It annoys everyone, but it works it sometimes. Works. It works. If you're in that position, you do it. Yeah. No, absolutely. <laughs> so I can't sing and I can't dance and I have no hidden talents. So it doesn't leave a lot of options. So I would go with a game show. Um, and I would pick the wall because I actually really respect and love the ethos behind the show of giving money away to deserving people. Nice. And Georgie, how about you? Well, I think I'd better go on the weakest link, mainly <laughs> because the person who is the weakest link doesn't always, you know, you can still win if you're not the best at it. So I think that's probably where I'm best suited. <laughs> Going back to my production secretary days, I think I'll just stick with that. What about you, Mike? Ooh, what would I do? Yes, you weren't ready for this one. Let's put no, it on you. Throw it, throw it back at me. Um, you know, I, I would enjoy doing, say, um, uh, The Amazing Race with my son, cool. which would be a lot of fun, and we'd get to explore the world. So we'd probably be the first eliminated. But <laughs> well, at least we'd get to go to one city. We'll get you on Destination X. We won't know where you are, but we'll still show, exactly. you, the, we'll show you the world. It's beautiful out here. Uh, I am disappointed none of you mentioned a murder show, but I'm also probably relieved. <laughs> So, well, uh, well, thanks again, uh, the three of you, uh, and uh, congrats on everything, and uh, best of luck uh, this coming season and uh, everything else. Thank you, and thank you, everyone. Thank you so much. been listening to the TV Campfire Podcast, hosted by ATX TV co-founders Emily Gibson and Caitlin McFarlane, and produced by Jennifer Morgan. This conversation was recorded live at ATX TV Festival Season 12 in Austin, Texas, between June 1st and 4th, 2023. 
For more information on the festival and becoming an ATX TV member, follow us at ATX Festival or visit ATXFestival.com.